How can we be saved from this crooked generation? Shalom. Thank you for joining us for the Sunday Sermon of April 26, 2020 from Christchurch, Jerusalem. We're in the third week of the Easter season. Today, the Rev. David Pelegi shows us that salvation, as presented in the book of Acts, is rich and nuanced. God takes the initiative through Jesus the Messiah to offer us forgiveness of sin and much, much more. Acts describes salvation as deliverance from Satan, idolatry, and present-day troubles, and as healing. In Acts 2, Peter's Pentecost sermon invites his listeners to be saved from their crooked generation. God extends that same rescue to us today. One more thing. The coronavirus pandemic has affected many across Israel adversely, including our ministry. Prayerfully consider making a special donation at this time so that we may continue to minister to the spiritual and physical needs of those around us. Visit ChristChurchJerusalem.org to give. Thank you. Now, let us begin with the lectionary readings. Our first reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostle. The Apostles beginning at the uh, 14th verse of the second chapter. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Heed my words. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus the Messiah for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is taken from the book of Psalms, uh, chapters 16, verses 1 to 19. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. 
I am greatly afflicted, I said in my haste. All men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. It's a tradition, you can do this in your home too, that we stand in the presence of kings and when we hear the good news of what God is doing through Jesus the Messiah through the gospel. The gospel for today is from the gospel according to Luke chapter 24. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen visions of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. 
And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he had and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father in heaven, before we begin to consider your word, we do pray that the Spirit of Jesus will be here. He will teach us Again, we pray that he'll bring us conviction, that he will challenge us, encourage us, bless us, strengthen us as we read the scriptures. We ask this for his sake. The living word brings us transformation as we apply it to our lives. Amen. Last um, week, we considered the practical, you might say, fruit or benefits of the resurrection. And we mentioned last week and even the week before how sometimes we trivialize the resurrection. We... uh, assign it to Easter or even to uh, funerals. And during the season of Easter, which is six or seven weeks, usually in an Anglican tradition or in church tradition, we like to consider, yes, the resurrection and how that resurrection of Jesus, death and resurrection, of course, uh, brings us rescue or brings us what we call salvation. Sometimes salvation uh, is amongst us has become a cliche, so perhaps we'll use the word uh, rescue. How that uh, rescue, uh, as we saw in Peter's sermon, or if you would, we had the opportunity to read all of Acts chapter 2, really that rescue uh, would be in the context that uh, certainly God is faithful to his people. Yeah, that God, what God promises in Scripture has now come to fruition uh, in Jesus the Messiah. Yes, that God is rescuing or saving his people through uh, his appointed Messiah, his agent, you might say, of salvation, Jesus of Nazareth, and the giving of the Holy Spirit, yes, is a sign or an evidence, yes, of that, uh, of that reality. But if we're going to speak about rescue or we're going to speak about salvation, especially in the context of the book of Acts, we have a very uh, rich, very rich uh, and nuanced uh, understanding of what it means for God to rescue us And uh, I think if you ask an average Christian, Catholic, Orthodox, even uh, evangelical, 
If you asked them what it means to be saved, they would uh, certainly mention or certainly bring up first to be forgiven of our sins. And without a doubt, uh, that is the foundation of what it means for God to to come to to our rescue. Yes, because we are um, crippled uh, by sin, and therefore we need uh, certainly need a solution to the sin problem. But the subject or the uh, the understanding of salvation, at least in the book of Acts, is certainly bigger. And if you, we had time to read through the book of Acts or you have the opportunity to listen to the, the uh, Acts Bible study uh, online that we did at Christ Church um, last year and uh, part, of, uh, part of this year, then you would see easily, I think, or clearly, that to be saved is also to be rescued from Satan. Yes, and this is clear also from the book of Acts. To be saved is to be rescued, you might say, or freed from the deception of idolatry. Yes, to be saved can also mean that uh, at times we're healed, that healing and salvation uh, in Luke and Acts is some, uh, understood uh, interchangeably. To be saved can also mean that we're rescued from our difficult circumstances. You know, the Philippian jailer, I don't think uh, when he heard the earthquake or felt the earthquake and he called out, what must he do to be saved? I'm not sure the Philippian jailer was worried about where his soul was going to spend eternity. I would suggest that he was more concerned at that moment uh, with his fate, what was going to happen to him and his family if those prisoners uh, actually were allowed to escape or if they, did, if they did escape. So certainly all of this, yes, encompasses what uh, we can call salvation. And here I'd like to add something else, maybe something we don't um, think about. From our passage in Acts chapter 2, a few verses that we read, which I think are very, very powerful. Here in verse 40, um, it says, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. So it's telling us that we don't have all of Peter's sermon uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost. He says, and he pleaded with them. Yes, he begged them. He implored them. He said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Actually, the Greek would be better understood, be saved from this corrupt generation, because we never save ourselves. Yes, be rescued from this corrupt generation. And it really causes me to think, yes, or should cause all of us to think, what is it about this generation Yes, what is it about this generation in which we live that we need to be saved from? What do we need to be rescued from? And by the way, if you think that somehow this applies only to the first century or first century Israel, and that somehow they were stubborn or somehow they weren't listening uh, to God or they were rejecting the Messiah, 
I think that would be a very uh, uh, limited and even um, uh, a very limited understanding of Scripture because we're in the same mess today as people were in the first century. And that in every generation, certainly every generation is crooked uh, in an intellectual and a spiritual way. Every generation uh, is full of sin. Every generation uh, is, uh, has values that are opposed to God. Sometimes those values are subtle. Sometimes uh, they're outright and they're blatant. And we, the family of God, the children of God, the human family, we are more often than not swept along by the spirit of the age. Yes, it can be subtle. It can be sometimes very blatant, sometimes very obvious. But we get caught up, yes, in, in a culture. We get caught up oftentimes in a political system. We get caught up in reacting to what happened the generation before or trying to correct some weakness in our society, <clears throat> and we're swept along. And more often than not, we're swept along to our own destruction. Now, it is oftentimes hard for us to see. It's even hard for us to accept this. We see, and yet we don't see. And in the day in which we're living, in the year 2020, God has given us a gift. He's given us a revelation. He's given us an unveiling. And that unveiling, technically in Greek, is an apocalypse. And people are asking and writing uh, and sending uh, messages, to, especially to us here at Christ Church, uh, is the corona or is COVID-19 is this the end? Does this mean Jesus is coming? Is this some kind of judgment? And I can't answer that question exactly. I think the wisest way to answer those questions is to say time will tell. Let's wait and see. But I am sure of one thing. Yes, we're living in an apocalypse. And what corona, COVID, has done, it's to pull back the facade of our society and to pull back the facade of our culture. If we didn't see it already, we should see it now. It should be really clear to us now. Yes? We, especially in this generation, especially in this generation, perhaps more than any other generation, and I could be wrong, but I'm trying to <clears throat> think historically. Yes, we live in an age, yes, in which science and technology have become gods, and science and technology has replaced God, where the human being, yes, where we as human beings, we have left, you might say, our place in the universe as creatures, we have become autonomous. We, dis we think that we can create our own identity. We think we can somehow create our own sexuality. 
we believe that uh, we can, um, or we believe that we're under no authority, human or divine, that we are autonomous. We are autonomous. And COVID shows that it's all failing. It's all collapsing. Now, in the future, we may put Band-Aids on the system and, and somehow it may continue to go along. But if we don't see the signs and we don't react in the right way, it will lead to further disaster. Yes, all the human philosophies, you might say, and uh, the systems that we come up with, especially in the West, these are under strain and are collapsing before our eyes. Should we have a big government? Should the government control everything? Well, obviously in the recent crisis, most governments haven't done all that well. Yes, and most governments have been quite clumsy. Should we reject big government and uh, espouse libertarianism? Yes, and nationalism. Yeah, but libertarianism and nationalism also is failing. Yes, because one nation uh, on its own uh, simply cannot, uh, uh, simply cannot control uh, or react to the disaster that's in front of us. Should we rely on technology? Let's wait for the vaccine. The vaccine might be coming any day now, and please God that it may. But at the same time, the way that uh, we relate to science and to technology, it's very slippery. Because that same science and technology that may bring a cure to COVID-19 is the same science, same technology, or, or technology in general, that will be used increasingly to control us and to limit our freedom, especially our religious freedom. And in this age of autonomy, yes, in this age of autonomy, in this age in which um, we reject God and his authority, we have the believers, we have Christians, and we are subtly influenced or sometimes overtly influenced by the materialism of our age, Yes, by the very destructive sexual revolution of our age, by the idea that uh, I can create my own religion, I can take a little bit here and a little bit from there, and I can reject certain parts of the Bible or, or the Christian tradition or, or 2,000 years of, of Christian understanding. And after all, God wants me happy. God's number one goal is to make me happy. God's number one goal, number, his number one goal is to make me fulfilled. God's number one goal, yes, is to make sure that uh, I'm psychologically, emotionally, materially well off. Surely, he couldn't demand from me sacrifice or self-discipline or suffering and if that one church talks about that, I'm going to go to another one. Yes. And this is, uh, I think, the situation uh, in which we find ourselves, whether it's secular in the secular world or whether it's in the church. Very often, we can hide 
yes, from these things or ignore these things. We're busy, got things to do. The economy is booming. Things, uh, you know, I'm on, I have to, um, just, just if we can fix the political system, things will be okay. Yeah, we just have to get the right people in office. We've got to get out the left and put in the right. We've got to take out the right and put in the left. Everything, all the problems we have is because of the leftist and the left wing. It's the president of the United States and his supporters that are causing all of this. Yes? Salvation is not found in politics. And hopefully, maybe, maybe a lesson that people will learn from all of this, that changing the political situation isn't going to change the disastrous course, yes, on which we're on. And so we live in an apocalypse, yes? And Peter says, be saved, not just from our sins, not just from the grip of the devil, not just from sickness, not just from the difficult personal circumstances we find ourselves in, be saved from this crooked generation. Yes, because the values, yes, the values of this generation. And we, by the way, you can see it. You can see the selfishness that's come out in people. Yes, whether it's fighting for toilet paper or nations, you know, fighting for test kits. And we can see the fracture. You know, the rich have money and they can be safely uh, in lockdown, you know, with Netflix. The poor have no access to health care. Uh, and don't endure lockdown very well. And here, by the way, I want to be careful. I'm not saying that all of culture and all the values of our present age, especially in the West, that they're all bad or wicked or depraved. They're not. There's a lot of good people doing good things, sacrificing for the common good. But on the whole, yes, the generation in which we live, the values which this generation espouses, oftentimes those values that influence the church, yes, of me, 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 me first, they're sick. And we need to be saved from those values. We need to be saved from the present generation in which we live. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that we, suggesting that we leave the world. I'm not suggesting we leave the university. I'm not suggesting that we don't stop engaging culture. Yes, but we need to make sure that we're doing those things from a place of security. Yes, where our values and our understanding of what is important and what is biblical is firm and unshakable. How do we get saved from the culture in which we live? Well, Peter tells us, yes, this applies in general but it applies, it applies in the specific. He says, after preaching a sermon and people are convicted, he says, repent, repent. Repentance is, of course, changing our life, going, making a U-turn, going in a different direction. 
Yes, that's the, uh, uh, the Greek, um, by the way, the Greek word that uh, metanoia, uh, metanoia, which is used in Greek, literally means to change your mind. But it was used in Greek, in Greek philosophical circles, yes, the meaning of the word as Greek philosophers and uh, others uh, use the word is actually be converted. Yes, be changed, which of course uh, aligns, uh, that definition aligns itself very uh, careful, uh, uh, very succinctly with the Hebrew uh, Jewish understanding of repentance. Repent, yes, repent, change, turn around. Now, this repentance as uh, the, the message of repentance is, is uh, highlighted all through the book of Acts. It is a message that Jesus uh, uh, has. He begins his ministry in Mark's gospel by saying, repent and be baptized, repent and believe the gospel. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, repent, the kingdom of heaven uh, is at hand. So surely repentance, yes, is part of the message of Jesus. Repentance is not a one-time occurrence. Repentance, as we've said more than once from this pulpit, yes, is a lifestyle. And we find some of the last words of Jesus, for example, to the church of Laodicea. Jesus tells the church of Laodicea, repent. He tells five of the seven churches in the book of Revelation to repent. It's something that we do once, and it's something that we do continually. Yes, that we continually check ourselves we continually ask ourselves, yes, how am I being influenced? And if I'm being unduly influenced by what is ungodly or not something that is not holy, how I need to turn away from that. Repentance is not only a call or an invitation, it's also a gift. God gives us the grace, yes, to make that turn. <clears throat> Secondly, be baptized. Now, because of the time, we're not going to talk about baptism as a sacrament or talk about <clears throat> uh, the controversies surrounding baptism, but let's just talk about baptism in, uh, in this way, that baptism is a way of joining a community. Peter is saying, sign up, join up. Yes, we want, Peter is saying, be baptized. You're, we're being baptized as an entrance way, yes, as an outward sign, it's not the only definition of baptism, understanding of baptism, as an outward sign of joining another community, of joining another people. And so it's not me and Jesus against the culture, me and Jesus against the evil, wicked world in which surrounds us, yes, but part of what it means to be saved is to join a community, to participate in a community. Yes, to be among the people of God. And if you think about it, well, let's go one step further. In the name of Jesus. Yes, this is not, by the way, it's not a formula for baptism, I believe. It's a description of what the baptism is that uh, this is not John's baptism, nor is it a ritual washing um, that is connected 
with uh, ritual impurity that uh, many Jews were doing at the time. So the way of describing the baptism is by saying it is a baptism in the name of Jesus. And what is this word in, what are, the, what are these words mean? Well, for most, many Christians, not maybe for most, this is some kind of magic formula. I have to say in the name of Jesus or my prayers won't be answered. And so therefore it's become sort of a mantra or some sort of magic in which people abuse. They pray anything they want. Lord, make me happy. Overlook my sin. Prosper me materially. Yes, I need a, I need a new BMW by next, next uh, May the 1st. In the name of Jesus. See, I have authority. I should be able to say, in the name of Jesus. But saying, in the name of Jesus... It's not about my authority. It's about the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it's about submitting ourselves to his authority. Another way of understanding this is being baptized for his sake or being baptized according to his teaching. So here, Peter calls upon us to live a lifestyle of repentance Yes, to join a community, yes, or to um, begin participating in communal life and to do it, yes, on, in the authority of the name of Jesus. Yes, everything, everything that this society opposes or the cultural, culture in general opposes, the entertainment industry opposes. Yes, the economy, the economic systems of the world oppose. Repent, which is a question often of humbling ourselves, admitting our fault, asking for help. Yes, I'm not autonomous. I can't do it myself. Joining a community. Yes, and this community, yes, is under the authority of someone, under the authority of Jesus. No longer is it about myself and what I think is best for me. Yes, but I'm submitting myself to a community. I'm sub submitting myself to a, actually to the scripture. This is how we're saved. This is how we're saved from this present generation. Now, it's not just an automatic, okay, I'll do this stuff. And then, no, it's a continual lifestyle. We won't dwell on this because it comes up two weeks from now. But what does it mean to participate in a community? It says they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Again, here's the issue of authority. The apostles have authority given to them by Jesus. We submit ourselves to that apostolic teaching. Okay? And to fellowship. And to the breaking of bread. And to the prayers, it says literally. Okay? Meaning that escaping, yes, escaping this present crooked generation, yes, and its ungodly influences means that there has to be spiritual discipline involved. Yes, it's not an automatic download. Yes, it is uh, developing a daily life, uh, uh, yes, in which uh, our um, spiritual understanding is reinforced, 
It is submitting ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, yes, which today is summed up in the scriptures, uh, the, the New Testament. It is participating in fellowship, which means one we submit one to another. Yes. It is uh, living together, sharing together, yes, giving. And all of this stands against, yes, the values and the culture of this present evil age. This is what it means to be saved. Brothers and sisters, let us take the advice, not the advice, the urging, the pleading, yes, of the Apostle Peter. And again, that advice is not only good for the first century, it's good for every century, including ours. It's good for our generation. Let's save ourselves, yes, before a disaster, yes, comes upon us. And that disaster will be the fruit of selfism, yes, and the fruit of human beings wanting to put ourselves, yes, trying to put ourselves in the place of God. So, Father in heaven, we pray that those who call upon your name, yes, can see the danger that surrounds us and can not only call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, but can call upon his name and be saved, yes, from the generation in which we live, to be saved from the spirit of the age, from the values, however subtle, that we can follow you and be your disciples and put you first to acknowledge your authority, to be participants of your community, and to live in a way that brings glory to you and honor to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings, please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christchurch. Visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org. Blessings from the City of the Great King.